Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the Pinkham podcast. My name is Connor Southwell and uh, we're also coming uh, to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. And football now is just starting to appear in the horizon. We can just start seeing it again. It feels like a, a return is is pretty close now. The wheels are in motion and the uh, the, the gears are getting going now to, to getting us to that return, which is uh, which is all good. Um, I've joined by a, a couple of guests this week. We've got Chris Lakey, who is the uh, the EDP head of sport and also a City fan, and uh, I don't know what's called total footballist. Is that what we're going for, Ben? Oh, uh, we've got, we've City got, fan. We've 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 got Ben Ambrose as well, who's uh, sporting his his Norwich City shirt uh, as well, which uh, is is looking rather grand. It's nice to see a splash of colour in here. To be fair, I've got I've got a, a black Mickey Mouse T-shirt on, so uh, I'm not not one to speak about fashion. Uh, Chris, let's come to you first. Uh, how how are you doing? How's North Norfolk looking? Because I know that's a question that I, I think you you get asked now, isn't it, every week? Uh, yeah, I do. And uh, North Norfolk's fine. The gentleman over the road, he's um he's putting some paving or something down and my cats keep running across it so he's got <laughs> autographs on every step of his new conquering um but yeah it's beautiful out here and enjoying it um when you said you got a mickey mouse shirt on ben's got a norwich shirt on which, which club is the mickey mouse shirt uh it just says the original so oh, i think okay. there's a referring to a certain club oh right yeah. so you've you set me you've yeah. set me up for a, you've set me up for a tap in there and i've put it wide I, you did absolutely. <laughs> the whistle hasn't even gone. But I, I, I can relate on the cat thing. I remember my, uh, my net, or maybe it was us actually. We, we had some patio done, and they put some concrete down as you do, and we had little cat paws in that. So they, they do like causing mayhem like that. And I know our neighbours during lockdown has built, have built a like a, a little, like a treehouse sort of thing. And uh, when they put the roof on, both my cats were keen to investigate that and to have a look at that. So. That was uh, that was quite amusing. Uh, ben, you're not you're not a cat owner. You've got a dog, haven't you? How's how's your dog keeping? How are you keeping in lockdown as well about football? Because it's a it's a strange time for for everyone at the moment. I'm keeping very well. Um, I have got my own pet problems at the moment, which is my dog continues to bark at a packet of wool. So that's something I'm dealing with. Um, you know, it's it's been a long it's been a long journey. It's an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm more of a dog man. So as you were talking about cats, I sort of I took a back seat and I thought I'd let you guys crack on. That's, that's a completely different podcast, isn't it? I, I see that you've not addressed the, your hair, which uh, I, I, I think we should address straight off the bat, to be fair, because it's... Uh, it's I think the hair is best left alone. There is a lot of it. I, I think you're quite right. Um, we, we're also going to have a, a little bit of a snippet from uh, City head coach Daniel Farker. It's been the first time that we've been able to catch up with him uh, since uh, all of this happened, really. Uh, he was he was um, speaking to me via Zoom, which is the first time I've actually used Zoom. So... Uh, I've, I've managed to go throughout this entirety without using it so far, but I, I, I did um, use it for the first time today, as it, as is the new world, speaking to, to Daniel Farke. He was very good, um, so you'll be able to hear that in full uh, later on in, in this podcast. But I thought we'd, we'd start off with uh, the FA Cup and speaking about that. Obviously, Norwich's um, tie with Manchester United has now been confirmed that it's going to be played at the end of June. Um Chris, what, what's, what's your view on the FA Cup coming back? Obviously, there's been so much focus on the league and whether the Premier League can get back and what that looks like. But for Norwich now, they have an opportunity to try and win the FA Cup, something, of course, they've never done. But does that become tarnished slightly if they do it without any fans being there to witness it? I think we all have to really realise that these are, these are very, very strange times. And if you ask a Liverpool fan whether... It will be tarnished in two wins. Well, no, you know, you, you have to accept it. You can't make excuses and say, oh, well, Liverpool didn't win it properly. 
you know, these are the circumstances we're all under. Now, if Norwich were to do well in the FA Cup and were they to win it, as I predicted they would in a silly column the other day, um, then so be it. You know, football is it's a game for the fans, but you should be able to play football without the fans. You know, mm. it's, it's you, you don't step out onto a football pitch behind closed doors and suddenly can't kick a ball like I can't. Um, so, you know, they're going to win it. The league is going to be won fairly. Whoever wins the FA Cup, it's going to be won fairly. It's going to be won differently, though. Um, I hope they really take it seriously because I do believe the winning mentality works. I think if you win a game, it does help you for the next game. Um, and if you beat Manchester United in the FA Cup, you, you know, you, you touch. Yeah, I, I think it's good for Norwich to be in it. I don't think it's a hindrance at all. Um, you go out to win. Um, yeah, okay. Somebody might say, well, if they do well in the cup, they might be relegated. You know, nobody goes out not to win a game of football. I think that's absolutely rubbish when people say, oh, their minds are on different things. You can send a weakened team out, but once they get out there, they will try their very best to win. Because, you know, if you see somebody not trying, you know, you can tell a mile off. So, yeah, I think it's good and I hope they do well in it. I really do. Even though I was brought up as a Manchester United fan, it doesn't bother me too much now. Paul Scholes doesn't play for him anymore. I don't care about him. <laughs> it's, it's very much a, a different Manchester United team now. Uh, that, that, that's yeah, yeah. certainly a different era now. Um, I, I was just going to pick up on something you said there in terms of um, football without the fans. And I've been watching the Bundesliga, and, and and to start with, it was very, it was quite certainly before the game when the players come out, and it's quite surreal. But actually, when the ball gets kicked and it's a kick off, and okay, you can hear the players communicating and stuff like that but it's a game of football it's it's two goals it's you know 22 it's, it's a game of football it, it it doesn't I don't know maybe it's just me but it, it still feels the same okay there, there are obviously some noticeable differences and maybe this is where I need to bring Ben in as a fan to talk about it a bit more but ultimately when that whistle blows and yeah at half time and at full time you do notice it but certainly while the game's taking place it, it just feels like football yeah Ben will know. I'll, I'll let you answer that, Ben. I've, I've jabbered too much, um, but. I, I, I totally agree. Hard to disagree, to be honest with you. Um, from a fan perspective and sort of someone who appreciates the game for the game, perhaps more than the actual experience of the game, I think it's just cool to hear the players calling out and stuff. I mean, from an analytical point, I suppose you can create a new avenue. Um, you can break down performances differently. Uh, I'm one who'll bang the drum uh, in terms of the FA Cup specifically that I think it's a good chance for the players to be rewarded for their hard efforts. You know, let's not forget the Spurs game. They work so hard in that game and they just definitely deserve to be where they are right now. Ignore where they are in the league. They deserve the chance to go and win a trophy that perhaps um, you look at your Marco Stiepermans, your Tim Closes, your players who are getting on a bit. You know, they're not going to have this opportunity again, um, especially at Norwich City. Um, and I don't see them sort of players leaving for bigger, bigger clubs to then go and have the opportunity again. So for me, um, my perspective is very much sort of let the players go go out there and play their game um the drum that i also proceed to sort of bang quite loudly is that footballers play football for a reason which is that they love the game and i know football is for the fans but you know there's 11 or it's 22 guys on a field sorry playing football because they love it um you know contrary to some popular belief but i you know i, I genuinely just believe that it's a chance for them to go out and sort of prove themselves and sort of you know play off a chance that they've created themselves I think, I think that's a fair point you make because you've essentially got a squad there of, of elite athletes and it's easy for 
a, a professional footballer to go throughout their career and, and win either nothing or very little. So this is a chance of winning a competition. They're in the advanced stages of, of the competition in the quarterfinals. The first time the club have done so in what twenty eight years. It's it's been it's been quite a while that Norwich have had to wait for this. And okay, it won't be the occasion it could have been. It won't be the spectacle that we all hoped it would be with a full Carrow Road house and under the lights and everything that that would have brought. But ultimately, these players, after what they've achieved in the competition, after what they went and did at Spurs, deserve this opportunity to to fight for, for a semi-final at Wembley. It's just impossible to disagree. <laughs> um, I, I think my opinion is sort of, it's not really held highly by many Norwich fans, which I think is fair enough because, you know, as we're going to continue to say across this podcast, I'd imagine football's for the fans. But for me, at the end of the day, it's all about just rewarding the players for their efforts. I know we sit at the bottom of the Premier League, but sometimes you've just got to look at the bigger picture, um, which is, you know, Norwich have got a really good chance to go and win the FA Cup, which I don't think anyone imagined us to say anytime soon, uh, especially not this season. Um, another thing for me is just sort of that, I'm not really a fan of the resistance to the return of football at this point. Um, very early on, I was sort of, prioritised prioritising safety and stuff like that but I think it's being proven via the Bundesliga mainly that you know football can be played so I don't I, I should I'm putting a call out I'll say that we should all sort of come together and just sort of enjoy it because there's not enough of that in football now you've just got to enjoy it as best you can um, but yeah that's sort of my that's, that's my emotional monologue yeah, it sounds like you should get that on a t-shirt to be fair it's, uh, it's quite <laughs> you fall early on um, but, but yeah just in terms of the FA Cup Chris, I suppose the sadness for supporters is that this is the first quarterfinal for for this club since, what, 1990, I'm trying to do the maths in my head now, 92, 93, something like that. So um, that is is a long time for a football club to go without a a quarterfinal in the FA Cup. It's also going to be at at Carrow Road. It should have been in front of supporters. I guess the sadness for the the supporters is the fact that they aren't going to be able to, to witness this occasion in the flesh. Yeah, of course it is. But, you know, as I said earlier, it's extraordinary times. There's a lot of things they can't do at the moment. They can't hug their grandchildren. You, you know, you, you can't go to the pub. It's nobody in their wildest, weirdest imagination expected us to be sitting here talking about games behind closed doors um, because it might kill us. You know, that's the truth. So, you know, suck it up. It, it, we've just got to accept this is how it is. And it's horrible luck. But, I can assure you there's a downside more worse things happening around the world at the moment um, than not being able to watch your football team at any level. So, mm. you know, really, the, let's get down to the brass, the, the, the nitty gritty. It, it's it's a game of football we're missing. You know, you, you'll see it again next season with a bit of luck. But, uh, you know, the, we're in a good position that if this is our biggest concern in life, then, yeah. you know, thankfully that that's all it is. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's not life threatening. But it shouldn't worry us too much. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think ultimately, as long as everyone can uh, can witness the occasion via television, then I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sure everyone will be content if if Norwich win and get to the semi-final of an FA Cup, because that ultimately is, is going to be a massive occasion. Uh, ben, I, I just want to come to you. Um, very quickly, because you were involved, uh, we were recording this on, what do they say, Tuesday, they all merge into one, don't they, in this new lockdown life. Um, <laughs> you, you were in a call yesterday, um, uh, which was Monday evening, uh, probably later when you hear this, uh, with some of the club's uh, executive committee, um, which was for fans, wasn't it? 
what was your main takeaway from what they said? And maybe you could disclose perhaps a little bit about what they did say in, in that call to you and and maybe your thoughts on it a little bit. My general thoughts are just what they usually are, which is the club's in very, very good hands. It's hard not to sit there and listen with a bit of a smile on your face because it's so refreshing um, as a Norwich fan. You know, we've seen some interesting times in our sort of short tenure of supporting Norwich, but it's just so nice to sit there with a little smile knowing that the club's in very good hands. Um, yeah, I was in the call last night. Um, it, you know, it's a privilege to be there. It's nice that the club opened themselves up for that. Um, I don't know how many clubs have done that. I don't know, don't know how many clubs will. Um, so, you know, that's sort of props to Norwich City for doing that. My main takeaway we're in a good, not a good position, but I think the best position we could be in um, financially. Obviously, you've got the club um, doing sort of the community work, which we know they do so well. Um, obviously, you've got the CSF, they do some fantastic stuff. And it's nice to see that that's being continued through, as Chris has said, this weird, weird time. Um, so it's nice to see that the world hasn't completely stopped turning, which I think is an important thing, you know, on a wider level uh, in general. But yeah, the, the club's in good hands. I think a lot, a lot of the same thing was said, which is I think financially we're fine. There is a plan going forward, which is the important thing. Obviously, we've seen Norwich in the past. Um, you know, we can't really compare anything to this and where we are now, obviously. But we've seen Norwich in the past sort of fail to success, uh, plan for success and plan for failure, whatever. Um, but Norwich are, are doing that. I think that, that's just about it, really. That's all I took from the call. Um, the main thing I took was that we're in good hands and that we aren't like financially stuffed like some people might think we are. And, and there was a little bit, wasn't there, in terms of this idea that um, I think the Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters has, has spoke a little bit about as well in an interview recently about potentially a partial reopening of stadiums and this idea that perhaps you could have a socially distant capacity. Um, was there any sort of discussion or hint about perhaps the club's view on that or whether that, that was actually something that was viable? Um, the reduced capacity was mentioned and the answer was no which I fully support because that's just fair enough, isn't it? Um, there is no logical way to break down who deserves to game, go to a game more than someone else. So Absolutely. there's no point having the discussion because, uh, you know, it's just it's fair enough. And I very much like the style um, of which the uh, answer, the question was answered in, which was just no. <laughs> yeah, I think I think someone did a study today, actually. And I think if, if uh, they worked out that if you were to take the Emirates Stadium, which is what, 60,000 people and, and try to um, put a, a socially distant crowd in there it would amass to about 2,000 people so it, it just goes to show the difficulties as as we move perhaps from one stage and again we're nowhere near to a stage where we can talk about starting reintroducing crowds but it's going to it's going to show perhaps again how we're going to enter a new phase in terms of the football reports about how we get back to a full capacity which is um, which is quite interesting and, and again whether that is next season or, or at what point is, is going to be fascinating as well I think um, because it's, it's certainly going to be a different experience and perhaps one that people have to suck up for perhaps a little bit longer than, than they would like. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about football then because uh, and specifically on the pitch matters Norwich have obviously returned to contact training I think that happened last week didn't it or, or late last week certainly um, and uh, an interesting thought sort of crossed my mind today, Chris, and, and there's a piece up at, at pinkham.com about it, um, surrounding Tim Closer, who hasn't um, and was initially ruled out for the season um, with, with an injury or, or close to being ruled out for, for the entire season. Made quite an impact after he signed in, in 2015-16 and, and was quite a, a, a pivotal figure, really, in Norwich's defence before he got injured at, at Selhurst Park against Crystal Palace. But this has given him an option now, and, and Norwich an option, 
for those injured players. And Tim Close, we can mention Sam Byron, Monel Hernandez as well. Um, Christoph Zimmerman, Daniel Farker revealed uh, in, in that interview today, would have missed the, the rest of the season had it continued after Sheffield United with a slight hamstring issue. Uh, issue. So these are players that Norwich would have been without, that now they can actually have a go with nine games remaining with a fully fit squad. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, he's now got problems <laughs> of selection uh, variety. Um, but they're not problems, really, are they? Because it's, he's a manager, he makes a choice, but he's got a lot of options. Um, I like him close, so he's a good You know, everybody knows that. The, the thing is, as well, for, I think has he started one game cup this season. I think that's it. Um, I think. The, the the strange thing is that they've stopped training and instead of being way behind, he's now probably on a par with them all. Because I'm going to guess that after three months, you're sort of match fitness, uh, this weird entity we refer to, um, has gone. Well, Closer didn't have it anyway. So presumably he's starting on a level playing field with his teammates. So it's just a case of whether you think then he can sort of walk back into that side and at whose expense. Um, there's a suggestion by somebody who wrote written a column for us that that would free up Ben Godfrey to move into midfield. Um, I don't know. Ben Godfrey does a pretty good job in defence to me. It depends if you want to play three at the back, four at the back, you know, five, whatever you want. He's got lots of options and to have Tim Closer as one of them and legitimately have him, I think is excellent for him. Uh, it does give him that variety with Godfrey. I'm not sure whether, if he plans to change an awful lot, he may decide, I mean, you're bottom the league for a reason, because you haven't been very good. So, surely you change to improve. Maybe maybe he has faith in formations and players, but they haven't been winning him enough points to get him off the bottom. And you continue, they may not win him enough points to perform the little mirror. So, you know, he may be considering changing personnel around a little bit as they're all fit. Um, his choice. He's got some winnable home games as well. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he does go and what approach, not just the personnel, but his mindset, whether it will be, you know, really, let's go for this and get out of it. Um, I, I sort of think it's doable. You know, I don't gamble at all. But this is time I fancy a little flutter. Thank goodness the bookies aren't open. I, I sort of think they. I think. I think survival is is there. It's it's they're capable of it. It's going to be very difficult. Um, and it's also not just having closer back. It's between the ears. I'm a great believer. Russell Martin always bangs on about. You know, it's 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 between the ears. It's not all about your ability. And if they get the mentality of it. I think they can beat other teams without kicking a ball because some teams won't be up for this. You yeah. you know which clubs won't be ready for the mental battle. I'm not going to name them because I'll probably sue me. But but there are certain teams, and you know we've seen them in the past. Certain managers you know aren't up for it. Um, they've not got the right mindset. I, I do fancy that Daniel Farker has got the right mindset. Um, so yeah, win that mental battle in front of an empty stadium. Um, yeah, it could be quite interesting. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Someone asked him a, a similar question about how he'd been using lockdown and whether he'd been using it to sort of analyse the season. And, and he sort of said, yeah, we've been very analytical with it. We've sort of digested areas where we don't think we, we can, imp or where we think we can improve, perhaps things that they've been doing well as well. And, and 
I think he said that they're they're not perfect, which I think is probably obvious given their their position in the league. Um, but then he he equally said it's it's been strange because he he almost the way he's viewing it is similar to what you said there in terms of he's got a massive chunk of the season that they've played, and then you've almost got these nine playoff games essentially mm-hmm. to to define to decide their fate, and that really is fascinating in terms of a mental approach and, and how they see. It. I think Jamal Lewis said as well last week that they're viewing it as as nine finals, but for him personally, and you mentioned variation. This is the first time all season that he's going to have all four of his centre-backs fit and available to him. And, I mean, he, he pretty much disclosed earlier on in the season that perhaps if he'd have had those options sooner, he, he would have switched to a free at the back. And given Norwich's wing or full-backs and, and, and perhaps how athletic they are, it, it does pose an option for them to, to go to a five, I guess. But those selection problems are probably a wanted headache, I would imagine, after everything that he's, he's gone through this season. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree 100%. And I think those you mentioned those five, you know, some of them, they're really good players, actually. You know, I mean, the, the, the wing-backs, they know how to be wing-backs. Um, and, uh, and I like it. I, I prefer that one. I, I like three. Godfrey is the only concern I have because I think he's, he's good in two positions. But I don't know. don't know about Ben Godfrey yet, where I'd want to play him forever. <laughs> yeah. If only good. my team had... <laughs> no, it's, it's certainly a fair point, and Ben, and ben I'll, I'll bring you on the, in on this. Um, perhaps maybe on closer specifically, but also the options available to Daniel Farker, and we can talk about Sam Byram as well, who um, was very kept Jamal Lewis out of the side, didn't he? When he was playing at left back and had a good run at right back as well. When Aaron's was was injured earlier on in the season, these options all give Daniel Farker a little bit of a, a, a different hand to what he had perhaps before the break, and and again maybe gives him an opportunity to mix things up maybe from a formational sense, but but equally in terms of personnel, which perhaps he hasn't had available to him all season. I'll join in with the um, the Ben Godfrey debate, um, and I will, mm-hmm. not staunchly, but I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with Chris on I know where I went, uh, where I want Ben Godfrey, which is in centre-back. Um, however, the system has to be perfect for Ben Godfrey to sort of flourish. We've seen this season, he can be good, um, but also he's got mistakes in him. Um, his passing's not good enough for him to be a central midfielder. I'm very firmly against him being in central midfield. Um, he's got one sort of season of experience there, proper season, we'll, we'll say, for Shrewsbury. Um, but I definitely put him in centre-back. There's a massive sort of lesson to be learned from, I think it's Sheffield United and Wolves with their centre-backs. Um, I think Godfrey can emulate. It's Connor Cody for Wolves, and I think it's Chris Basham for Sheffield United, who used to be a central midfielder. Um, and the passing range is enough to get you by in centre-back. Um, and obviously, we know how high uh, Lewis and Aaron's like to play up the pitch. I think Godfrey can find them with ease. We know that from four at the back. We saw that last season. We've seen it this season. Um, but yeah, sort of going back to the main point, which is Farker's got a bit of a selection headache, which is something he's not had for a while. Um, and I'll just refer to the meeting or the webinar yesterday with Stuart Webber, where he described the squad as a bit thicker, which is something we've been lacking for such a long, long time. And when you're in a relegation dogfight, which is what Norwich are in, you need that sort of depth within your team. Um, and I know Norwich has sort of got that in the centre of the park, although arguably that's not the depth you particularly want because it's proving very difficult to find the perfect sort of remedy for um, or the perfect recipe for um, a central midfield partnership, um, however you want to describe it. But it, I think for Farker, it's just nice to have that headache again. Uh, how he'll answer it, I don't know. We we know he's a very, very stubborn man. Um, as tactically, that is. I don't know him personally. But tactically, he's very stubborn. So he might just go with the same 11 that he played against Sheffield United. Um, I, I, I don't know what he'll do. What I'd like to see, as I've said, three at the back, Ben Godfrey sort of spraying the balls wide 
emulating Sheffield United and Wolves to an extent. But, you know, I, I don't know how that would work out. But the main thing is, is that it is lovely for Daniel Farker to have options again. Is there an element of, I'm, I'm going to call it Carl Lafferty syndrome, when the player who perhaps is on the bench or perhaps doesn't play suddenly becomes the best option you have available to you? Is there an element of that perhaps? And we saw it certainly, um, I, I recall with Onel Hernandez earlier on in the season where uh, everyone thought he was going to come back from injury and it, it injects some pace that Norwich City needed and it didn't quite happen. Is there a little bit of an element of that, do, do you think? Oh, yeah, that's, you know, 100%. That's such a thing in football, isn't it? Um, because, you know, it's, it's escapism. It's the way the fans sort of deal with um, losing games, drawing games, disappointing results. I think I'll put them under the, that band. But, yeah, we, we've seen it before. I know Hernandez is the perfect example. I'm guilty of it myself. I'll put my hands up and say it. When Hernandez was out and we sort of lacked a bit of pace on the flanks, we thought, right, he'll come back and he'll be the answer. Has he been the answer? No, no, he hasn't. Um, it's, it's as simple as that, really. I know he scored against Manchester United, but I don't really think he might, you know, he's really cut out for the Premier League. You can argue it's like Marco Stiepelman now. Marco Stiepelman was getting a lot of stick while he was playing. All of a sudden he's gone um, and now people want him back because Andre Duda hasn't been brilliant and no one's really claimed the number 10 as their own. Um, I've been guilty of it when Kenny McLean's not played. I, I think, right, why is he not playing? He comes back. He's not brilliant. Um, and, you know, that's not a sort of reflection on their performance and me saying they're not very good. It is just very much me supporting you in terms of, yeah, I think the Carl Lafferty syndrome, that, that player particularly is the perfect sort of summary of it all. Um, and I, I would sort of put it down to looking for a reason and sort of dealing with disappointing results. But I, I think it's as simple as that, really. Interesting. Well, I, I think I've, I've teased it enough. I think we'll, we'll bring you uh, Daniel Farker now. Uh, this is quite a, a, a wide ranging chat. I, I spoke to him a little bit about uh, the Bundesliga to start with and um, and, and perhaps whether that will have an effect on the way Norwich City approach it and whether he's learned any lessons from, from watching football in, in his homeland um, since his return. And there's, there's plenty more stuff in there as well. So uh, here's Daniel Farker speaking earlier on uh, today, uh, which is which is Tuesday, all about uh, Norwich City's return to training and uh, their return to uh, Premier League football. Um, I, I just wanted to start off by asking you about the Bundesliga. Obviously, it's it's uh, it's been the first league to to restart. What what have you made of how it's restarted, and has that perhaps eased any concerns that that you or your players have had about the Premier League restarting? Well, I think it's it's a bit like a role model. So, I, if I'm honest, I was uh, I was a bit surprised that the Bundesliga decides to restart that uh, that early. And uh, if I'm honest, I was also a bit doubtful if this would work anyhow. And there were a few concerns on in early stages, and um, yeah, there were also a few cases that were not ideal. But in general, so we have to say, meanwhile, it worked out quite well. And uh, perhaps not on the first game there, but meanwhile. Uh, they have already three games and you, you feel that from game to game also the quality of the games uh, is improving and it, it seems to work right now. I think it's important that everyone uh, goes for the on pretty disciplined and also uh, with the, with the uh, safety and, and health um, uh, processes in order to do this. But it seems like it, uh, it works and gives also lots of confidence in order that we will be able to restart. I think... It's, it's always a different situation between each and every country also with the, with the situation and you can't, can't compare it and can't say, okay, it's a perfect moment for us because in each and every country, country France, for example, uh, the French League was, um, was um, uh, already finished and, and each and every country has to take his own decision. But at least uh, the Bundesliga shows that 
uh, it is possible anyhow that that it works uh, to to pay further on and yeah hopefully we can can have the same solution for us have you taken anything from it from a sporting perspective because we, we've seen since, since those three games have taken place that perhaps home advantage hasn't meant as much as as what it usually does is there anything from a footballing sense that you've taken away from the Bundesliga so far uh, not that much, uh, if I'm honest, because we are, of course, all not used anymore to, to play in an empty stadium. But um, it's more like um, what I always tell my, my players, even if you have a difficult away game, it's, it's not we play against the whole stadium, it's just 11, 11 on the pitch. And the rules are always the same if you play at home or, uh, or away. And, and of course, the emotions are different with the, with the supporters, definitely. But, but the game doesn't change. It, it reminds me sometimes a bit on our youth level there yeah, when not so many uh, supporters were around or perhaps some parents or whatever. It's more like um, then we also wanted to be there in order to be there with a good performance and uh, to win the game. And uh, this mentality, this attitude, um, we we have to bring it on the pitch as well once uh, once uh, we are really uh, able to restart the games. And for that, um, of course, we try to, we will try to simulate this perhaps uh, also before we restart. Yeah, for example, to have a training session or perhaps a little game in, the, in an empty stadium because it's, it's something different and we're not used to do it. Um, but um, it's definitely possible and that's what we take uh, out of the Bundesliga role model. Well, that was a question I was going to ask actually about whether there was a plan to, to have any sort of friendlies or, or warm-up matches before the, the season resumes again. Mm-hmm. Well, at this moment, um, any on the strange times, we have to live from day to day and to have to make a decision from day to day is allowed and then also confirmed under what, which circumstances we are allowed, for example, to use the stadiums to, to play friendly. At the moment, it seems like uh, we are allowed to, to play friendlies before the start. The Bundesliga, for example, didn't allow this. It's, um, I think it, it was not perfect. I think it, it should be allowed that we have at least one friendly to, to get used to the processes, to find trust to the processes. I think in this terms, we could, could do it even a bit better than the Bundesliga, for example. Uh, but it's also due that we have a bit more time in order to prepare this, and uh, yeah, uh, let's let's wait in under which circumstances it's possible to do this. But it definitely makes sense uh, to have at least one or two friendlies. That's definitely for sure. It was interesting uh, earlier on to sort of hear you talk about uh, perhaps the, the difficulties you've had in terms of showing players clips and meetings and stuff like that. In, in terms of training, how has your coaching style had to adapt from? perhaps uh, what we would call normal training, I guess, to, to this new form of training? Uh, it differed a bit between uh, the first uh, stage when we are there just with small groups, uh, because anyhow, I was, uh, at least the recommendation was not that I should uh, be in need with one group because I should stay away from all groups, not that there is a positive case for me and then I have to self-isolate uh, myself as a, as a head coach. So it was more like that, um, yeah, different members of my coaching staff had uh, to take charge of, of the small groups and I was more or less over trying to overview uh, all of them. So if I'm honest, we're pretty long days uh, because it's more like you have to train group after group and, and we spend lots of time on the training pitch. Meanwhile, it's it's quite similar to the to the normal process. I'm also allowed to be in charge with the players. Of course, you have to always keep in mind that you are there with a bit distant it's not like I'm, I'm always um, yeah, arm in arm with the player in the normal processes. So it's, it's always you have a natural uh, distance even, even during the normal, normal times. Uh, so it's, I would say it's, it's not the same, but, but quite similar to, uh, to, to the normal process. Right? 
suppose, in, in that sense. And it's, it's been quite nice to get back to full contact training. And, and I guess for the players probably as well, because going from um, those small groups where perhaps it does feel a bit alien and, and it doesn't feel, I mean, we're talking so much, aren't we, about a new normal, I guess. Uh, mm. Do you think there's going to have perhaps wider implications for football generally in terms of, I know, perhaps financially we're, we're going to see a change after this or, or, or in other areas, do you think? Yes, in in, uh, in in general, it was um, such a such an important situation with such a such a deep impact. And let's wait how how it all will develop. So, first of all, we have to make the the first steps that we are able to restart, and then it's still not a one percent guarantee that we really can finish the season. So, no one knows at this moment how the whole season season will develop, and and it's still a bit too early to judge about this. And also, like uh, with the new season, how it will look like if we. You know, when we can start the new season also if, are we able then to play in front of our supporters so let's wait uh, till how this all will develop but i'm pretty sure that um, of course it, it will have a massive influence and also just if it's just um, the influence that um, yeah there's less money in this business anyhow of course it, it can also Perhaps in, in, in some um, in some directions also have a bit uh, a bit beneficial influence if i'm uh, if i'm honest uh, because sometimes uh, you got the feeling in this business some decisions and uh, some situations are also a bit overheated. Perhaps it leads, or hopefully it leads us to to go, go a bit back to our uh, to our roots. But uh, of course, there are also many many demands and difficult situations for the clubs and and for the key people to handle it, and, and not easy for for no one in this business at the moment. And uh, but still a bit too early to judge in which direction exactly it will it will develop. But I'm pretty sure there will be um, will be a big impact. Yes. So much has been made about the way Norwich approach, uh, perhaps financially and, and how they operate as a club. Has this sort of perhaps reaffirmed to you that the way Norwich are running their club, perhaps compared to, to other people, is is the right way because of this situation? And, and I mean, the, some of the figures being banded about that clubs are going to lose are, are, are really drastic. But Norwich actually running themselves sustainably and, and in the way that they do is probably giving them an advantage and put them in a better position than perhaps some other clubs? Well, the decision uh, not not to risk the future of our club and not to spend an unbelievable amount of money uh, doesn't, of course, help uh, with the individual quality on the pitch. That's uh, that's quite normal. And it makes uh, our, our task uh, to, to be successful in this league uh, not easier. At the time's uh, really, really difficult also to achieve this big target to, to stay in this league. But uh, such a situation proves why it is that important because I think during this times uh, many clubs are, are struggling and uh, not just here in the UK but also in other countries many clubs are speaking about okay it's it's unbelievable doubtful if they can exist even in, uh, in a few months time and uh, because we were unbelievably careful it's not an easy situation for us also not from the financial point of view and we still have um, to be unbelievably smart in order to manage us and, and have to take the right decisions and um, it's also credit to to all key people. I think they are totally spot on in taking the right decisions. But if I'm honest, I'm I'm also unbelievably hopeful, and and I think we we are not in a situation that we have to fear in in a couple of months uh, if there there is a worst case scenario we can't go on as a club. So I think we are um, in a in comparison, for example, uh, when I when I joined the club three years uh, three years ago, where you really didn't know if uh, one week later the the club is still able to to go further on and and, and, and from the from the financial point of view meanwhile we're in a situation that uh, our future in comparison at least to 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 many other clubs 
uh, is pretty pretty settled and this uh, just a just a unbelievable credit um, to all key people of course especially to to Stuart Weber and, and also to our board that they had the right decisions not that easy yeah when you uh, have to take the decision yeah not not to to invest not to bring quality players in even for me as a head coach it's not easy sometimes to handle yeah, that we yeah two or three years ago we had to sell our best players and and of course you're yeah, sometimes then um, a bit disappointed meanwhile we are meanwhile in a situation that we don't have to sell our best players we're in a quite relaxed situation also from the financial point of view and um, we're still not able uh, to invest unbelievable amount of money hope so hopefully in a few years we are able also to spend money in order to bring some quality players uh, some more quality players uh, in but at least it's, it's this situation shows why it was so important um, to be financially unbelievably solid and uh, we didn't risk the future of our club and for that there is at the moment still a complicated situation but we don't have to to fear that uh, it's the end for our club not at all and in terms of supporters obviously so much is going to be made about it being behind closed doors but that, does that in a sense put a, an increased amount of responsibility on you to go out and perform and and put smiles back on their faces i guess because this is a difficult time for for everyone and perhaps made a, a, a little bit worse by the fact they can't go and do the things they enjoy like like watching norwich that's a plan definitely and we we will have this sort also in, in, in our mind when we go on the pitch it's not like oh, we're playing just for us 11 against 11 it's it's we know that the whole club the whole community will will follow these games um but i made my my point uh, as well it's it's important for the mood of the whole community of the whole society that that football starts but to be honest if i would have the feeling that we um risk the life of a human being then all the money and also not the mood or not fair play is important. So each and every life of a human being is more important than any fair play or any mood reasons or something, uh, something like this. But um, once once uh, the key people decide that it is safe to do so, then we definitely have uh, have in our mind that uh, for the mood of our supporters, it's it's and uh, the whole society, it's important that we play with responsibility. And um, it's a topic we speak a lot about. And, and just finally, for me, uh, in terms of the FA Cup, how, how pleased are you that that's coming back? Because there's been so much made about the league and perhaps different people saying different things at different times. But with the FA Cup, it's perhaps been a, a little bit in the background. How, how pleased are you that that's coming back and you will get an opportunity after that fabulous night at Tottenham in, in front of your supporters to to try and win it for them? Yes, pretty pleased. So it feels uh, still feels a bit strange because uh, we were brilliant so far and had up three unbelievably difficult away games that excited away crowds anyhow it was difficult for us to be there uh, that successful and then uh, right now we have got our first home game and we think oh Manchester United quarterfinal FA Cup will be an amazing night one of the best nights anyhow you could you could uh, have in terms of mood in terms of in terms of spirit uh, under floodlights uh, perhaps uh, at, at Carroll Road um, and then anyhow you have to play this uh, this amazing game against Man United uh, behind closed doors it, it still feels a bit um, uh, a bit strange anyhow, but at least it's it's good to have this game and uh, to get this chance uh, to win this game and to go into the next round and to, to win this competition and we value this and we will try to, to be as uh, successful as possible. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.
Norwich City head coach Daniel Farker, lots of stuff in there. I, I want to hone in on a specific point, uh, his, his point around friendlies, which is interesting. Um, he's uh, basically confessed there that Norwich City will look to try and play a friendly or, or multiple if, if they can prior to the season starting on the 20th of June. Um, this sort of marries up with a uh, John Percy report in, in the Telegraph. He's saying that um, clubs won't be able to travel um, perhaps within, well, they have to travel within a, a 90 minute radius from them, um, which poses, as, as me and Chris were talking about before uh, we, we started recording, that poses quite a few issues for Norwich City, given that a lot of the local clubs around them are in the lower leagues. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends what sort of standard of opposition he wants. Now, the uh, little protractor and various gadgets out. And if you're going to assume that somebody drives it 60 miles an hour, they've got an hour and a half to safely get from Norwich to a game. So there are a dozen, half a dozen league clubs. There's Peterborough, Cambridge, Stevenage, Southend, Colchester and Ipswich within that radius. Now, immediately your mind thinks, oh, Ipswich. Now, all of those clubs won't know until Monday uh, whether their season is going to continue or not. And if their season does continue, do they carry on playing and just help Norwich City out of a spot by giving them a bit of a, a game? Who knows? I mean, th there is no reason to say that they shouldn't play any of those clubs, except for the fact that those clubs may say, ah, I mean, it's good time training. So, um, and then, it, so if, they got, if they're not going to play the league clubs... The non-league clubs, I, I'd say, suggest they're an awful lot, but, you know, they haven't played since March. I mean, the Kingsland are the highest uh, level team uh, around that they're actually sort of on standby, if you like, given that their season has, that the, the sporting issues haven't been resolved, that, you know, there is a possibility there'll be playoffs in those divisions. I can't see Lynn playing any, any more games, but um, all the others, you know, Deerham Town, etc., their results... On, they're not playing rock up they'll be on their holidays you know I, yeah. I doubt if their managers will want them playing at all um so i don't know where norwich will look for the friendlies um if they want a, a friendly knock about against a premier league team i'd say the nearest is west ham is it nearest yeah i think there's, there's now, not if, a lot in the ham or tottenham is there i would say they're probably yeah. You might be able to get to West Ham in an hour and a half. I'm not sure. Roads are a bit clearer nowadays. You'd, you'd probably have to do a but, bit more. Um, the other thing, well, the other thing here is is just to see the seriousness of this because it's not like having um, Seville coming over and playing or or whomever. Um, the game's going to be a friendlies can be at either stadiums or training grounds. No official referees are allowed. It will be members of coaching staff taking charge. It doesn't mention whether it's jumpers for goalposts here. Substitute um, maybe. Yeah, rush goalies. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's it sort of if, if you've got your own coaching staff running the line and being a ref, these are not ultimately that serious. Now, Norwich could play their academy team, I guess, the first team versus the academy, you know, be a, a, a game. But if they want something different um, in those, you know, rush goalkeepers, jumps for goalposts thing, you can see how a, a league club might be involved, albeit not one that's uh, or one that's not back in training. So 
you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to find the club. But I, I would imagine if Daniel Farkas said, yeah, we fancy a, a, a friendly game of some sort, that he'll know or, or somebody there will know and have a list of who said, yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. And who said no, you know, bring your own ball. But the other thing, by the way, is they've got uh, players have got to drive there. And I think they've got to be kitted out. So they're going to drive in their kits. I'm assuming that doesn't include their football boots. I've never driven, well, I may have driven in football boots, actually. But, you know, I can guarantee you, if you're on a motorbike, a football boot is not very easy to wear. Um, I've done that. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I'd love to play it, which I think would be fun. But... <laughs> if only because of the reasons we know already. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do get arranged and when. Because of course you probably want it. Like you, you always have seven days before your your, your first uh, match of the season, which effectively this is. You have your sort of showpiece home friendly usually. So yeah. it might be a week beforehand, which gives them time to have been. Mm. That's my take. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think when when he first brought it up, my first thought was, okay, well, League One they haven't decided their fate, have they? They don't know what they're going to do with League One. League Two they've they've called a day apart from the playoffs, but in the playoffs of Colchester, which is obviously what I said to you, and and UK then came mm. back very um, sensible point that they've actually had four positive tests for 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 COVID nineteen, yeah. and that then poses a lot of different issues, and whether Norwich then go and expose themselves to that but then with frequent testing could that be something that um worked it's it's really difficult to 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 know from their perspective how they approach it i think that is difficult and that that's probably a little bit wrong of me to to, well wrong of us probably to say colchester and their four tests because you know that they may be asymptomatic um they're quarantined or uh, locked away for seven days anyway so, you know, they'll go through all the right protocols. But I've got to be honest, if I was a Norwich player, I'd go, mm, I'd rather go Stevenage. Come mm. Daniel, let's go Stevenage instead of Colchester. And that's there's no disrespect to Colchester, but I, I think I'd absolutely play on the safe side there. But yeah, I agree. And, so and good luck to those Colchester players as well. Absolutely. I think they've got extra in the playoffs, haven't they, as well? So when, when that gets up and running, hopefully... Um, there'll there'll be decent fixtures, although a League Two game behind closed doors, I think, is a very different prospect to, to perhaps a Premier League one. Um, but it's I think different, yeah. In, in in terms of friendlies, it's going to be difficult because obviously the vast amount of those League Two sides aren't training. Their season's done. Their players are probably probably not on holiday, but are essentially for all intents and purposes, probably on on holiday. Um, the academy sides, I don't believe they're training at the moment, are they? I think the academy games as well, they've sort of. Called off for, that's null and void isn't it yeah yeah so there's a possibility that the academy players aren't training as well so then really we're looking at the championship and probably premier league sides for friendlies because the the, the realistic i think proposition of a team coming from abroad at the moment is is probably very very thin if not minimal so but again, but again it's the 90 minutes isn't it yeah yeah exactly there's no so, championship side now thanks to Ipswich, which is not a championship side within 90 minutes well done yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and there's again the Premier League sides are probably just on the fringes of 90 minutes. Exactly. So, so then you've got a possibility, really, where depending on what League One do, and if they follow the model that League Two have, then that will be Ipswich's season done as well. So then that would be them out of the the equation. Ben, what, what what's your views on friendlies? Because this is when we get into the logistics of this issue, I guess, and this pandemic and everything around it. 
it's it's going to be very difficult for Norwich to arrange a friendly with a side simply because of their geography. I just don't think it's going to happen. That's my answer. <laughs> I think there's there's enough stress with bringing football back in the Premier League and the Championship. This, this only adds to that stress. Um, I think you know the Premier League and sort of football in general is walking a tightrope in terms of bringing football back and convincing fans it's safe. So adding friendlies into the mix is only going to complicate matters. Um, I think friendlies is a bit like reduced capacity in terms of talk. I think it's just an idea for something to talk about. Um, I, I don't see it happening at all. I'm not going to say it's futile and like reduced capacities, but, you know, I, I just don't see friendlies happening. But genuinely, I think, you know, you might as well have an inter-house friendly between your academy players and your first team if you want some good competition. Because, you know, if we go down to Ipswich, that, that's not going to happen, is it? And that, that that's a genuine, a genuine concern. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it happening. It depends what you want out of the game, I suppose. If you want match fitness, I suppose you can go down to Portman Road and have a little jog about. But um, if you want actual competition, then I suppose it's going to be a lot more difficult to find, isn't it? I think, I He's think got more than my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if I was Daniel Parker and I was perhaps listening to that point, if, if you're watching perhaps, let's say, I don't know, um, Bournemouth or uh, Brighton or Villa, who are the relegation rivals, and let's say that their geographical location probably allows them to have friendlies with different sides. If, if they're then having two or three friendlies, does that then give them an advantage on the pitch when the restart gets going? Because their players are going to have, and Chris alluded to earlier, so much more of this so-called match fitness. Is that then going to put Norwich at a disadvantage when the competition then gets going? Quite obviously, yeah, it would. But it depends on the system, doesn't it, on how you bring friendlies back. Because I very much... It's a bit like Stuart Webber's argument for um, getting rid of points per game, for example, in the Championship, you know, when he was talking about how Leeds shouldn't automatically get promoted and we play and get relegated. Um, I think it's very similar in terms of if one team can't facilitate it, which that team is obviously Norwich, then no one should be able to. Because, you know, that's fair. And you need to set a precedent across the league that everyone, every club is equal. You know, one club has a bigger bank balance than the other. We've seen that in the Premier League constantly, um, but that shouldn't affect anything. And I think it should be as simple as, say, Norwich can't go and play um, against the opposition that Bournemouth can go and play, and play against, which will obviously give them a, an advantage in terms of being match sharp, um, just general fitness, um, being able to practice the tactics that you um, that you uh, give your inform your players of and stuff like that. I just I just think it depends on the system of which to um, wrap up the point would be if one team can't do it no one should be able to yeah and, and of course this isn't something that's happened in germany we haven't seen friendlies in germany they oh, just i was going to reference that yeah went straight back into their games and and, and that was a point that daniel farker made again in in his comments there or, or earlier on when he said that actually there are probably things that the premier league can take from the bundesliga and actually look to um Maybe not maybe put right is probably the wrong term, but perhaps do differently. And friendlies is, is a part of that. If that helps fitness and it helps the quality of the competition. And also we talk about player safety as well. I think injury concerns are, are natural. And um, when football does return, the teams are obviously going to have five substitutions. So if, if this is a step that they can take to almost avoid injury, then does that make it worthwhile? It's it's, it's so difficult, isn't it? It's, a, it's another one of those issues that football is, is going to have to grasp and, and deal with, I think, in 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 the uh, in the coming weeks and, and and days to come. But of course, before Norwich's first game, which is going to be on the weekend of of June the twentieth, um, if it is going to be at Carrow Road, Ben, what's what's that going to be like for you as a supporter? Um, just as 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 we begin to round this off, obviously not being able to go to a game, it's going to feel probably a little bit strange more than anything else. 
I, I would imagine. From my own personal point of view, which is it's important to stress that before I start talking, um, it's going to be weird. I am gutted that I can't be there. Um, but that's, you know, that's to do with my own attachment to football. You know, I love it. I love going. I love the experience. But equally, I love watching the game. So I think it will be quite easy for me to sort of sit on my sofa and watch it like it is any other game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watched the Bundesliga week in, week out, uh, or since it's returned in every game. I watched the Dortmund game and that was it, the first one. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's going to be quite an easy adjustment for me because... As I have previously mentioned and will continue to mention, it depends on sort of why you watch football. Um, it depends what you take away from the game. Um, and also, I think in terms of the FA Cup as well, I'll bring that back into the mix. I just want to watch the Norwich players go out there and put up a fight because I genuinely believe if there is a Norwich team to keep or just to pull off this miracle, I'll call it, it is this team. We have seen the wonders that they have worked and probably will continue to work. And, you know, that fills me with confidence that if there's any team to do it, it it's definitely this one. But it will be um, certainly an interesting thing. Um, I'm quite looking forward to it as well. I think that's important to stress. I'm very um, excited to watch Norwich start playing again. It's all well and good having German football back and that sort of um, itch the scrap or scratch the itch of um, needing football in my life again. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing to have Norwich back. And I wish more people were as well. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll finish with with you then, uh, Chris. We we could talk about Peterborough, but um, uh, obviously their their league hasn't been decided. But of course, you're 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 not an Orange fan. You're you're not a, a, a well. You referenced your flirtation with Manchester United, but beyond that, you're, you're not associated with <laughs> the Premier League club. In terms of um, Ben, reference it there. Obviously, he's a Norwich fan it makes sense for him to be excited about the Premier League coming back. How do you look at it from a neutral perspective? How do you feel about? The Premier League coming back does it still I, I guess does it sit with you comfortably a bit more now that we've seen the Bundesliga or, or is there still that, that little bit of doubt in your mind about whether it's safe or not well first off I'm not necessarily not a Norwich fan I do want them to win um, having covered them for several years you do get attached to them and yeah, yeah genuinely a, a close second club um, how do I feel about it I don't know enough about the the about medicine and and, uh, and and health to be able to accurately answer that or to answer it as in yeah no problem um, because I just see people dying and think well oh, it just doesn't seem right and it's not a moral thing at all you know I think we should continue to try and do what we can in a safe environment but I can't quite get my head around this being safe while there are still three-figure de- numbers of deaths every day. Yeah, it's not. It's not that we shouldn't be doing it out of respect. We've got respect for people who are losing their lives and their families. But, but I just can't quite work out how it's so easy. Had somebody a year ago, had there been uh, something where somebody died, two hundred people died in a yeah. day, we'd be going, "My God, what on earth's going on?" But now we're blasé about it all. It's, Almost all good, only 100 people. And that just shouldn't be the way we're thinking. But, but again, go back to the extraordinary circumstances we're in. Yeah, I do understand we need to get things going again. You can't sort of sit and wait forever. But I, I, I'm, I understand why people are doing what they're doing. I'm just a little bit um, not in line with it all. I want football to be back. And I'm like Ben, I'm really looking forward to it being back. I just really, really hope that nothing untoward happens anywhere, you know, I, inside and outside a football stadium. 
yeah, I, and and I would agree. And obviously, we could we could talk about supporters congregating and and, and whatnot. And I think I think there was another point, um, Ben, from from that thing you discussed last night about the hotel, wasn't there? And the fact that they weren't going to sell the rooms at pitch side is is, is mm-hmm. that right? I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, it was basically just that the the pitch view rooms. Um, they've asked for them to not be sold. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Which Fair which enough. again totally makes sense in accordance to what they do. But I I think Chris, your position is probably very common in terms of people wanting to see it back but equally probably a bit apprehensive about what it looks like and 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 the ramifications of it all and of course goodness knows what happens if god forbid there's there's a a, another spike of it and and we have to talk about then how they conclude the league and what happens from there because that i think would be pretty catastrophic for for football um particularly after how much work has gone into its return and uh, we've we've certainly seen that i think in, in the recent weeks Gents, I think that's that's just about it. Thank you very much, uh, Ben, for for joining us. Lakers as ever. Cheers. Uh, thank you for for, for being here. And uh, it's been a, a nice little podcast. I think we've we've spoken about a lot of issues. Of course, you can get in touch with us as well. This is uh, your podcast as much as ours. Um, you can obviously email us and, and uh, tweet us and all the usual um, avenues of which uh, avenues of communication you can describe them as. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you all again soon.